Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the blessings that we've received from you this day. We thank you for life and for health. We thank you for the privilege of knowing you. We ask, Lord, that as we study your holy word tonight, that you will send your Holy Spirit to be present in our midst. We ask that you will open our minds so that we might have understanding, that you will open our hearts so that we might be willing to receive that which you have for us. We thank you, Lord, for answering our prayer because we come before your throne in the precious name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Okay, lesson number three, the prophecy of the fallen star. We're just going to basically go through the lesson. I'll be making a few remarks as we go along. I'll be adding a few details which are not in the lesson. In lesson number two, we studied about how sin began on earth. We saw that a mysterious serpent enticed Eve to disobey God. But the question is, who is this serpent? Where did he come from? And what is he up to? In the lesson tonight, we're going to see how sin began in heaven and how it will come to an end on earth. Interesting, it entered heaven, but it'll come to an end on earth. Now, you'll notice the, very, the next note is very important. The Bible makes it very clear that angels existed before God created this world. Did you read that text in Job 38, verses 5 through 7? When God created this world, what did the stars do? They sang for joy, the Bible says. And what do stars represent? We know stars don't sing. But stars represent angels. And so when God created this world, the angels sang. This means that the angels pre-existed the creation of planet Earth. Now, as our lesson says, the leader of these angels was called Lucifer, the son of the morning. And tonight we're going to study about this magnificent angel. Let's talk, first of all, about the origin of this being, Lucifer. And by the way, before we talk about his origin, I need to tell you something about Ezekiel 28, where a lot of verses are taken from uh, for the lesson tonight. I don't know whether you noticed the tenses of the verb, of the verbs of this chapter. The tenses of the verbs are past. Did you notice that? Maybe, maybe you weren't uh, paying attention to that little detail. But it's very important. Even the destruction of Lucifer in Ezekiel 28, 18 and 19 is presented by the prophet Ezekiel as past. Now what does this mean? It simply means that Ezekiel is being carried forward to the very end of this world. In actually, actual fact, he's being carried all the way forward to the time after the thousand years of Revelation 20. And Ezekiel is describing from that perspective the history of Lucifer. Are you understanding me? That's the reason why the verbs are in past. Obviously, some of the things that are mentioned in Ezekiel 28 are not past. Like, for example, where it says that he'll cease existing 
and it'll be reduced to ashes. That hasn't happened, but it's presented as a past fact because Ezekiel is being transported way to the future, probably in vision, and uh, he's transported to the time after the thousand years when the new Jerusalem descends from heaven, and this being, this magnificent being, is finally destroyed. And Ezekiel 28 is describing his history from that perspective. Now, with that in mind, let's notice uh, the origin of this being. Lucifer is what? A created being. Did you notice this twice in Ezekiel chapter 28? He's a created being, which means that he had a beginning. Is Lucifer everlasting? Is Lucifer eternal? Is Satan eternal? No, he had a beginning. Must that mean that he also can have an end then? Yes, because he's not eternal like God. He's created. Now question number two under the first section. He was created by whom? Did you catch this? He was created by Jesus. I don't know whether you read. Did you notice that in, in this question? It says, for all things were created by him. That is by Jesus. Both things that are in heaven and things that are on earth. Whether they be principalities and powers, all was created by him and for him. So the creator of Lucifer was Jesus. Interesting. So we're going to find in this story that it's a case of the creature rising against his creator. Is that significant? A creature rising against his creator? Yes. Is that what Eve did? Yes, she did. Now, number three is very easy to answer. His abode was where? His abode was in heaven. He lived in heaven originally when he was created. Now, let's talk a little bit about his identity, who he was. We know now that he had a beginning. He lived in heaven. He was created at some point in eternity past by Jesus. But we need to know a little bit more about him, who he was. First of all, Lucifer was full of what? Full of wisdom. Did he have a, did he have a brilliant intellect? He had a brilliant intellect, according to Scripture. But not only did he have a brilliant intellect, question number two says that he was bright and what? Bright and beautiful or perfect. That's all right. <laughs> he was bright and beautiful. The devil is not some grotesque monster. He's not... Uh, as he's depicted in many caricatures, uh, you know, this being that has a tail, tail and horns <laughs> and a pitchfork in his hand roasting sinners on the fires of hell. That's not the picture that the Bible gives of this being. The Bible says that he was bright and beautiful and full of wisdom. Number three, he was covered with precious what? With precious stones. Now, I don't know whether you thought about this, but if you look at the list of precious stones, they are the same precious stones that form the foundations of the New Jerusalem. 
And of course, we found in our lesson that he lived in the New Jerusalem. So was he rich? Yes. Was he beautiful? Yes. Was he intelligent? Yes. But he was something else. Number four. See, I w uh, the reason why I make these a little bit difficult is because I want you to think. See, question number four, if you read the, just read the text, you say, well, what word should I put in there? Let's see how you did. He had a very high position in God's government. He had great... Yes, you're smart students. What can I say? He had great power and influence. And then, of course, number five says that he was morally perfect in all his ways. Question. Did God create the devil? No. Hey, you're smart. I just can't slip you up, can I? God did not create the devil. God created a per morally perfect, beautiful, intelligent, powerful being called Lucifer who chose to become the devil. Did you notice how I worded that? He chose to become what? The devil. If he chose to become the devil, is God responsible for his choice? No. And of course, we're going to deal with the thought questions at the end of the lesson. Food for thought. I put those without any Bible verse. Because I want you to reflect and think about these things. Okay, any questions on section number one? Yes. He chose to become the devil, but God has foreknowledge of everything. Yes. At the end of the lesson, we have four questions, and we're going to deal with that. Okay. That's a good question. I, I'm glad that, you're, that the wheels of your mind are rolling. That's great. We're going to, yeah, if God had foreknowledge that he was going to choose to sin, why did he create him? We'll deal with that. Good question. Okay, let's talk about his position. As we have already seen, Lucifer lived where? In heaven. And by the way, the, you found several references in the, in the lesson that are wrong. Do you know why I put those wrong in there? So that you could look in the concordance and find the answers. No, I wish I could say that's the reason. But it should have led you to the concordance to find uh, the real verses where these things are. Now, what reference should be here instead of Ezekiel? Of course, Isaiah 14 and verse 12. And how many of you found that in spite of the wrong reference? Raise your hand. How many of you found uh, that? Raise your hand. Come on. Okay. Many of you did. Where did Lucifer live according to Isaiah 14 verse 12? It says there, How art thou fallen from? Heaven. O Lucifer, son of the morning. So in other words, he lived in heaven. But now let's zero in a little bit more about where specifically in heaven. Because heaven is a big place. What I want you to notice now is we're going to streamline from the general reference heaven and we're going to get closer and closer to the exact spot in heaven where he was. Now notice question number two. He lived on the heavenly mountain of God. Where is this mountain located? In the sides of the north. Now I need to explain this to you. The points of the compass, as they're looked upon in the Bible, are different than the way we understand the points of the compass today. 
And by the way, their view is uh, pretty, pretty well scientific. We, we look in that direction, and we say that's north, straight ahead. In back of us is south. To the right hand is east, and to the left hand is west. But in biblical times, north was up, and south was down. And east was to the right hand, and west was to the left hand. And there's a special reason why uh, in the Bible, the points of the compass that belong to God are north and east, whereas the points of the compass that belong to Satan are west and south. It has to do with the position of the sun. God is a God of light. Is he not? Where does light begin? In the east. Where does the light reach its, its highest intensity? When it's directly overhead in the north. See, God, is, God lives in the north, in heaven, up there. Where does the sun set and darkness begin? In the west. And where does darkness reach its deepest intensity? Deep underneath at midnight in the south, so to speak. And so we would expect God's throne and God's city to be where? In the sides of the north. Because God is a God of what? God is a God of light. And by the way, in math, this same principle comes through. Where are your positive quadrants in math? Above and to the right. Where are your negative quadrants? To the left and at the bottom. So Lucifer lived on the mountain, the heavenly mountain of God. And this mountain is in the sides of the north. In other words, where is the sides of the north? Heaven. Because it says, how are you cast out from heaven? Now, the mountain which is in the sides of the north is called what? Zion. And let me ask you this. What other name is given to Zion in the Old Testament? Jerusalem. Are you catching a picture? First of all, it says he lived where? In heaven. Then it becomes more specific. Where in heaven? On the mountain of God. Are you following me? What mountain of God is that? Zion. And Zion is identified with what city? With Jerusalem. So he lived where? In the heavenly Jerusalem. Are you following me or not? Yes, Bonnie. Um, how could Lucifer live in the New Jerusalem if there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth? Well, because the New Jerusalem, according to Revelation 21, is going to come down from heaven and it's going to become the capital of the new earth. So right now, the New Jerusalem is where? In heaven. Obviously, after the thousand years, it can't come down from heaven unless it's in heaven. So the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven after the thousand years. It will be the capital of the new earth where God will live with us forever. What a privilege to have this be the capital of the universe. Now, I want to be there. I don't know about you. Yes. Another question? Who? Okay, yes. We don't know. Long time ago. Oh, yes. Uh, and uh, in the lesson that we're going to study, lesson number six of Revelation 12, I'll be talking about when Satan was cast out of heaven. There were three stages in the casting out of heaven. 
One stage was, was when he was physically cast out. And then at the cross of Calvary, he was cast out in another sense. And at the end of history, he will be definitely cast out forever. Uh, but I don't want to get into that right now. But uh, he was, his casting out is something that happens in stages. But we'll deal with that, I promise you. Okay, so is this clear in your mind? Got it clear in your mind? Yes or no? Generally, where did he live? In heaven. Where? More specifically in heaven. On Mount Zion. In the New Jerusalem. But now the question is, where on Mount Zion? Well, let's continue studying here. Before he sinned, Lucifer lived where? In Eden. What? The Garden of God. Now, wait a minute. This is interesting, isn't it? Where was the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3? On earth. Where was Eden before it was on earth? In heaven. In other words, the Garden of Eden was a little piece of heaven on earth. And that's why Adam and Eve were cast out from the garden and they could only live on the earth. Are you with me? Now when did God take Eden to heaven? It must have been before the flood because the flood destroyed the whole planet earth. So where must the Garden of Eden be now? In heaven. And in case anybody wonders about this, Revelation 21 and 22 tells us that when the city comes down again, Eden will come down with it. Because there will be the river of life and there will be the tree of life. It says in Revelation chapter 21 and 22, the tree of life that was in the original Garden of Eden. So in other words, Lucifer lived in the Garden of God before he sinned. Did you catch that? The Garden of Eden was in heaven before he sinned. He lived in the Garden of Eden. But let's notice what, where more... I see Judy is confused. Let me rephrase it so you're able to follow me. Where was Eden in Genesis 3? On earth. Where did Lucifer live before he sinned? Did he live in the Garden of Eden before he sinned? Yes. You can read Ezekiel 28. It says, you were in the Eden of God. You were perfect. In other words, he lived in the garden when he was perfect. So it must have been that the Garden of Eden was transplanted from where? From heaven to earth. But it must have been taken back to heaven again because when the city descends, the, the, the Garden of Eden is going to be in it according to Revelation 21 and 22. You understand me now? Okay. Now, let's notice a little bit more here. By the way, Lucifer was also created to be a great musician. Not in the lesson, but I'll give you the reference. Uh, Ezekiel 28 verse 13 says that timbrels and pipes were prepared for him on the, days of, on the day of his creation. Timbrels and pipes means uh, flute. Pipes are flutes. And timbrels are kind of like little tambourines, drums. In other words, he was created to be a musician. Interesting. So he must know a little bit about music. He must know how to use music in the modern world to lead people astray from God. Absolutely. Now, question number four under this section. 
Lucifer lived in the heavenly what? Sanctuary, which he later what? Defiled. How did Lucifer defile the heavenly sanctuary? Because he sinned. Didn't he? Did he defile also his physical sanctuary? Yes, our body is a temple of what? Of the Holy Spirit. Is he going to defile the sanctuary at the end of time? Is he going to sit in the temple of God showing himself to be God? We're going to study that prophecy, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And by the way, I'll just throw this out. He also defiled the first sanctuary that existed on planet Earth. Do you know what that sanctuary was? The Garden of Eden. Let me share this with you. What was placed at the entrance of the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve sinned? What kind of angels? Two cherubs. Two cherubs. So that man could not what? Enter and eat from the tree of life and live forever. Where did Adam and Eve and their descendants bring the sacrifices to offer the animals, to offer the sacrifices? To the gate of the Garden of Eden. Where were the sacrifices brought in the sanctuary service in the Old Testament? They were brought where? To the outer court. Are you with me? And in the most holy place, what was there? Two cherubs. And who was the only one that could enter the most holy place? The high priest. The general Israelites couldn't. Did Lucifer slander God in the heavenly sanctuary? Did he slander God to Eve at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Yes, and he defiled the garden by leading Eve to sin. So this is what is meant when he says, you defiled your what? You defiled your sanctuaries. Now let's go to number five. He was placed as a what? As a covering cherub. Where? In the heavenly temple. Yes, Eileen. I'm sorry, I've got to go back to number three. Sure. Okay. Uh, uh, Revelation chapter 20. I'm not talking about chapter 21 and verse 22. I'm talking about chapters 21 and 22. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Um, Just read there. You have the tree of life. You have the river of life. You have all of the basic elements that you had in the garden. Okay, good. Sorry, I should have made myself clearer. Okay, so it says that he uh, was placed as a covering cherub. That's a strange name, covering cherub. That was his job, his function. Let's go to question number six to find out what a covering cherub was. There were how many covering cherubs in the temple? Two, right? Where were they located? In which apartment of the sanctuary were they? Oh, in the most holy place. And where were they located in the most holy place? There was one on one end and the other on the other end of what? Of the Ark of the Covenant. 
Is there an ark of the covenant in heaven? Somebody want to read Revelation 11:19? Write it in your lesson. I didn't put it there. It's hard for me to write out these lessons because there's so many things I want to put in. I'd end up with 10 pages. I never get through it. So I have to streamline and only put in certain things. But Revelation 11 and verse 19. Who would like to read that? Andy, you want to read that? Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. And there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, and earthquakes, and great hell. Okay, what was opened in heaven? God's temple. And what was seen in the heavenly temple? The ark of his, of his covenant. So is there an ark of the covenant in the heavenly temple? Yes. Yes? That was a weak yes. 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 Revelation 11:19 says so. Says the temple was open in heaven and the ark of his covenant was seen. So what was the position of Lucifer then? He was one of the two what? One of the two covering cherubs next to God's throne. Yes, Bonnie. Loretta. <laughs> so we're talking when Lucifer was still in heaven, the ark was up there. Yes. It's there now. Where is right? it now? Yes. It's there now. Yes. Absolutely. If he was a covering cherub, the question is, what did he cover? By the way, listen to what I want to say. If you follow the principle that we've outlined here of using the concordance or the marginal references, you will look at Ezekiel 28 where it says you were a covering cherub and it will send you to Exodus 25. Correct? So you don't even have to guess. It sends you over to Exodus 25. It says, if you want to know what a covering cherub was, go to Exodus 25, where the building of the sanctuary is explained. And it's explained that the Ark of the Covenant had one covering cherub on one side, another covering cherub on the other side, and the presence of God was manifested between them. Are you with me? Now, that's the reason why Psalm 80 verse 1 says that who dwelt between the cherubim? Who dwelt between the cherubim? God. By the way, in Hebrew, when the word ends in im, it's the plural. We would say two cherubs. They would say two cherubim. So uh, Psalm 80 verse 1 says that God dwells between the cherubim. What does, what does uh, between mean? In order to have a between, how many do you have? Two. Because if it was more than two, then it would be a monk. So there's two covering cherubs. How many were covering cherubs were uh, on the ark? Two. So originally, when Lucifer sinned, was there an ark of the covenant, and were there two covering cherubs? Yes, absolutely. Now, an extremely important point that I don't want us to miss is the fact that inside the Ark of the Covenant was what? God's holy law. The Ten Commandments. Did the Ten Commandments begin at Mount Sinai? When God gave them to Moses and Moses gave them to the people? No. Because scripture makes it very clear 
that there was a heavenly ark, there were covering cherubs, and inside the ark, of course, are the Ten Commandments. And by the way, if you read Exodus chapter 25 carefully, you're going to discover that it says that the, that the cherubim actually were supposed to be looking down at the mercy seat. The mercy seat is where, seat is where somebody sits. That's where the glory of God rested upon the Ark of the Covenant. They were supposed to be looking down at the mercy seat and they were supposed to cover their bodies with their wings in reverence for God and his holy law. Is this clear? Yes? Okay. Let's go to sex, the next section. His fall. Lucifer became proud of his what? Is it wrong to be beautiful? Well, I would never know because the Lord didn't bless me with that. But it's not wrong to be beautiful. God created Lucifer beautiful. Then it says that he corrupted his what? His wisdom. Why did he corrupt his wisdom? How did he do it? He began to think that what? That his wisdom was his. He began thinking that his beauty was his. Where did his beauty come from? Where did his wisdom come from? And then it says that he selfishly hoarded what? Riches. Did you read that? And he wanted a higher position of what? Of power. Even to the point of being like the most high. Is there anything wrong with beauty, wisdom, a position of power, and riches? No. These assets become liabilities when we forget where they came from and why they were given. See, riches are given so that we can bless others. Beauty is given, and I'm not only talking about physical beauty, I'm talking about beauty of character is given to attract people's attentions to the God who gave the beauty. Position of authority and power is given so that we can serve. The higher our position, the greater should be our service. But when we make these things an end in themselves and we think that they belong to us, assets become what? Become liabilities. Lucifer's great sin was that he had spiritual myopia. In other words, he was nearsighted. He could only see himself. Go with me to Isaiah 14 comes through so clearly here. I like to say that he had a very serious eye disease. You see an eye disease? Yes, he had a real serious eye disease. Yes, Larry? Why would Lucifer want to hoard riches? Did he need money in heaven? No, but it gave him prestige because he was covered with all these precious stones. There's no indication that the other angels are, were covered with those precious stones. In fact, the precious stones are also the very stones that were on the breastplate, the breast, breastplate of the high priest. Because he occupied a high position. And he, he, he looked at upon these riches and these things that he had as 
an indication of his prestige. Do we have the same problem today? You know that, you, that we have the same problem in the world today. Yes? Who was the second uh, We'll come to that in a few moments. Good question. Question number five. He chose to commit what? Sin. He chose to commit what? Sin. Question, did Lucifer sin in heaven? Now go with me to 1 John chapter 3. Oh, I said Isaiah 14, didn't I? Okay, let's read Isaiah 14 first. I want you to see what his problem is. Do you know what sin is in its essence? Selfishness. Do you know why there's, uh, there's so many problems in marriage? Because each one of the spouses wants their own way. Oh, she doesn't please me. Oh, look, she left wrinkles in my shirt. Oh, she's always asking for this. She's always nagging me. Do you know how a marriage could be perfect? If the husband says, the only thing I'm going to do in my marriage, I'm going to do everything that pleases my wife, nothing that pleases me. And if the wife says, I'm going to do everything that pleases my husband, I'm not going to do anything that pleases me. In that case, both would be pleased. <coughs> Are you with me? Selfishness is the core of sin. And of course, the essence of selfishness is breaking God's holy law. Because the law of God is a law of love. Love God, love your neighbor. It's amplified in the Ten Commandments. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to kill him. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal his wife. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal what belongs to him. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to covet what belongs to your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to gossip about your neighbor. That's why the Apostle Paul says that love is the fulfilling of the law. The problem is the Christian world today has a... Has a twisted view of what love is. They think love is just some sentimental, uh, gushy, mushy feeling. But love is, is the fulfilling of God's law because the law is written in our hearts. Notice Isaiah 14 and verse 12. Who would like to read verses 12 through 14? Um, Jean, please. And... Uh, and I, when you get to certain key words, I'm going to repeat the word with you. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nation? For thou hast said in thy heart, I, I will ascend into heaven. I, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. What was his disease? I. I. Me. Don't you see how beautiful I am? How intelligent I am? My position of power? How rich I am? He wanted to use these things for himself. And when you use these things for yourself, you bless nobody. It's a problem with the world today. Now go to 1 John 3, 4. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. Did Lucifer sin in heaven? Yes. Rosalina, please. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. What is sin? Or as the old King James Version says, sin is what? 
transgression of the law. Did Lucifer transgress the law? Where was the law? Say it louder, Eileen. We've already studied that the law was where? In the ark. So did Lucifer break the Ten Commandments? He did, because he sinned. Because sin is what? Transgression of the law. Now notice verse 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from Mount Sinai. From when has the devil sinned? From the beginning. So if sin is transgression of the law, and the devil has sinned from the beginning, did the law exist in the beginning? It most certainly did. Now, some people have wanted to redefine sin. They say, no, sin isn't transgression of the law. Sin is separation from God. See, because the idea is that, you know, if you have a relationship with someone, you might commit certain uh, things that are not correct without necessarily definitely breaking the relationship. See? And so it's a, a kind of a way of getting off the hook that, that sin is breaking God's holy law. Now, let me ask you, when Jesus hung on the cross of Calvary, he said, my God, my God, finish for me, why hast thou forsaken me? When Jesus was on the cross, was the relationship between him and his father broken? Was the broken relationship the sin, or was it the result of sin? Why did Jesus say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Did Jesus ever sin? No. no. But what was Jesus doing on the cross? He was carrying your sins and mine. In other words, the sins that he carried brought about separation, but the separation was not the sin. His bearing the sin led to what? To separation. And if you want to write down a verse, Isaiah 59 and verse 2, God says, your iniquities, he says to Israel, have caused separation between me and you. What comes first, separation or iniquity? Iniquity. And what is iniquity or sin? Breaking God's what? God's holy law. Now let's go to number six. Are you catching a picture here? What's going on? Does, it have, does this have a lot to tell us about what's wrong with the world today? You know, when those fellows on uh, September 11 crashed those airplanes into the World Trade Center and they, they were doing it in the name of God, that's exactly what the devil wants because that's what, what the devil wants God to look like. He wants God to look like him. Are you with me? We'll come to that in a few moments. Number six, Ezekiel 28, 16 speaks about the multitude of Lucifer's trading. And verse 18 refers to the iniquity of his trading or traffic or merchandise. Also, the devil is a salesman. <laughs> he traffics in goods. He traffics in merchandise. Now the question is, what did he traffic with, with in heaven? Well, let's note it. By the way, this is one of the wrong references. 
Not the one from Leviticus 19.16. Listen, the very same word that is translated traffic or merchandise here in Ezekiel 28 is the identical word in these other two verses that I put here in the note. And we're going to see what he trafficked in. Ezekiel, excuse me, Leviticus 19 verse 16 says, Thou shalt not go up and down as a tailbearer. Tail That's the identical Hebrew word that is translated traffic or merchandise in Ezekiel 28. You would never know it by the translation. You would have to go back to the original language. And you can do that with Strong's Concordance. And the second reference should be Ezekiel 22 verse 9. Okay, Rosalina. In you are men who slander to cause bloodshed. In you are those who eat on the mountain. In your midst they commit lewdness. So the word that you need to place there is what? Slander. Yes, slander to shed blood. Let me ask you, did the devil slander and did he have the intention of shedding blood? Yes, because the Bible says that there was what in heaven? War in heaven. And last I knew, when there's war, there's bloodshed. Yeah, it should be only one. Slander. So what is uh, what did he traffic in? What, what did he? What merchandise did he try to sell? His slander and what? And carrying of tales about whom? Notice the next question. What? Lucifer trafficked with and the merchandise he tried to sell were lies about so what he did was he tried to sell the heavenly angels his what? His lies. You know what he said about God? God is a tyrant. God takes away people's freedom. The law is restrictive. If you accepted me, the plight of everybody would improve. You know we have a story in the Bible that illustrates this. I'll just mention it very briefly. The story of Absalom. Second Samuel 14 and 15. Read it at your leisure when you go home. Absalom was the son of David. And you know what Absalom would do? He wanted to take his father's throne. But he didn't do it by fighting. What he would do is he would stand at the gate of Jerusalem... And anybody that came to the king for judgment, Absalom would say, what tribe are you from? Oh, I'm from such and such a tribe. Oh, wonderful. Uh, and what, is you, what case do you bring? Well, I, I want to bring this case to judgment before the king because somebody's trying to rip me off. And, and Absalom would say, oh, come on now. Don't go before the king. The king not, isn't going to do you justice. The king doesn't care, doesn't care about his creatures. Now, he says... Now, if you decided to put me on the throne, the situation of everyone would improve. Is that what Lucifer wanted to do? Listen, if you want to take somebody's position, what do you have to do? You have to discredit them first. Right? You build yourself up. Yes, you build yourself up, and to build yourself up, you have to tear others down. So you have to tear God down in the eyes of his angels. Let's read the note. As we continue to study prophecy, we will find that Satan is always trying to give God a black eye. For example, after September 11, some people ask, where was God? I don't ask, where was God? I say, Satan was present. 
When a natural disaster takes place, people call it an act of God. If you take a roll of film to Kmart, they say, well, we guarantee to give it back in 24 hours short of an act of God. In other words, if there's an earthquake, they might be, not be able to return it in 24 hours. But they call it an act of God. It is an act of God, the God of this world. Satan. The story of Job shows us this, doesn't it? The devil caused natural disasters. He caused Job to, to lose his health, to lose all of his possessions, to lose his friends, to lose the support of his wife. There wasn't God who was doing it. It was whom? Satan. But Satan wanted Job to think that it was whom? That it was God. So that Job would lose hold, would let go of God. But the wonderful thing about this story is that Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. <laughs> wow! Are you willing to trust God even in the bad times? No matter how, t how bad the bad times get? Don't say, oh, God is giving me a raw deal. No! If God allows something, it's for our good. Isn't it? Someday we'll understand why God allowed certain things that we can't understand. And you know, Jesus came to show what God is really like. He said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Did Jesus cast out the devil? Did he heal the sick? Did he resurrect the dead? Did he befriend the outcast? No wonder the devil hated him. Because Jesus was showing what God is really like. That's the reason why Satan hated Jesus. By the way, that's the reason why Satan is going to hate God's end time people is because they reveal the character of God. See, even the Jews, God's people in Christ's day, they blame God for things. You know, for example, uh, when a man, this man who was born blind, his disciples say, now who sinned? Was it this man or his parents that he was born blind? Leprosy was called the finger of God. In other words, God puts his finger on sinners and gives them leprosy. Even God's own people had a wrong image of God. <clears throat> Created in their minds by Satan. Number seven. Lucifer tried to sell his lies to all the angels, but was successful in enticing only how many? One third. Praise the Lord that for every evil angel we have two good ones. Let me ask you, do you think Lucifer's uh, arguments must have been quite persuasive against God? That a third of the angels chose to leave their allegiance with God? His arguments must have been very powerful to be able to deceive a third of the angels. Number eight, war broke out in heaven. This is the real Star Wars. <laughs> See? And, and it's the force against Darth Vader. <laughs> For those of you who are into Star Wars, I never watched it. But I know the names. Who doesn't know the names of the heroes of Star Wars? But this is a real deal. This is not some Hollywood production. So war broke out in heaven and Satan and his angels were cast out and came to where? To the earth. Now questions 9, 10, and 11 are of critical importance. The question is, who was that other being that was on the other side of the ark? Our sister asked the question. Well, let's notice the next three questions. The original battle was between two stars. 
Lucifer, the son of the morning, and Christ, the bright and morning star. In other words, the original battle was between two morning stars. Did you catch that? Interesting. By the way, this, this uh, language in Isaiah 14 reflects a um, uh, concept that the ancient Babylonians had. See, Venus is that star that uh, is in the sky that just about refuses to go down. You know what I'm talking about? And the Babylonian concept was that, that that star Venus, who is in the sky, even when the sun is starting to come out, the star is there in the sky. They had the concept that this star was a usurper. This star wanted to rule in place of the sun. But then they believed that when the sun came up, the sun would grab this star and hurl the star into the underworld. And then the sun would shine bright. That's a beautiful figure of what we're talking about here. Of course, this battle was not between two literal stars, but between two stars in a symbolic sense. The original controversy then is between Christ and whom? And Satan. Did that battle continue on earth? Remember Genesis 3.15? He will crush what? Your head, and you will wound his heel. The battle that started in heaven between Christ and Satan continued on earth when Christ came to earth. And then notice question number 10. All of the typos on this lesson are solely my responsibility. I should have given them to my wife because she would have caught all the mistakes. There should have been a space between 9 and 10. <laughs> number 10 in Revelation 12 verse 7 we are told that the battle was between Michael and his angels and whom? and the dragon and his angels now somebody's saying you're saying that Michael is Jesus yes but let me qualify that and make it very clear there's a church in the world that believes that Michael is Christ and that Michael was the first angel created by God in other words Christ was the first creature of God the Bible does not teach that the Bible teaches that Christ is Michael but that Michael is also eternal God the word angel in the Bible means messenger by the way if God's throne is the Ark of the Covenant, where is Jesus seated according to the book of Revelation? At the right hand of God. So who must have been at the left hand? Lucifer. The battle was between two stars. And some people say, I don't like the idea that Jesus was Michael, the archangel, you know, lowering him to an angel. But you don't have any problem with the fact that Jesus lowered himself to become a man and still was God. So why couldn't he be Michael and still be God if he became man and was still God? Are you with me tonight? 
We'll talk more about this later on in the seminar. Now notice number 11, it's related to this. When Jesus comes again, he will come with his? Oh, so Jesus has his angels. And who else has his angels? And Satan is, his angels will be cast into the fire. See? Christ has angels and Satan has angels. Just like in heaven, Michael had his angels and the dragon had his angels. So the controversy, folks, the real controversy is between Christ and Satan. But when you join Christ, the battle is against you too. Are you with me? And when you join Satan, your battle is against God too. In other words, listen to what I'm going to say. This is such an important principle. The events that happen on planet Earth, every single one of them is to be read in the light of what happens in the world that you cannot see. In other words, what happens if the sun is shining behind me and I raise my right arm? The shadow does what? It raises the right arm. What happens if the sun is shining behind me and I wag my head from one side to another? The shadow also wags its head from one side to another. Earthly events are shadows of invisible movements that we cannot see. And that's the reason why I say we need to read all of the historical occurrences of the Bible with enlightened eyes from the perspective of the great controversy between good and evil. Are you with me? What happened on September 11? We're going to talk about the United States in prophecy. I believe that what happened September 11 has tremendous repercussions when it comes to Bible prophecy. The role of the United States in Bible prophecy. We won't get into that right now. But see, whenever you read things, and you know, people read things in the newspaper, they say, boy, the world sure is getting bad, isn't it? But they don't see that there's, that there's a hidden agenda. Every time that the devil introduces in your home, in your marriage, strife and fighting, that's not a husband and wife that are merely struggling and fighting. It's Satan and his angels trying to create discord in the home. And the reason why is because he knows that if he, if, he, if he can cause a rift between husband and wife, they'll probably lose their hold on God too. Am I making myself clear? Number 12. Satan then introduced sin, misery, suffering, and death into planet Earth. He infected, and he infected the human race with the deadly virus of what? Selfishness. But who came to resolve the situation? Jesus. We're going to have a lot more to say about Jesus resolving this situation. But now let's talk about the methods that Satan uses. In our study of prophecy, we will see that Satan employs two main methods to ensnare people. Deceit and force. When he can't deceive you, he will attempt to destroy you. Are you understanding me? Notice the following text on Satan's deceptive power. We'll go through these quickly. From the very beginning, Satan has used deceit, sleight of hand, chocolate-covered poison, and counterfeiting to deceive. 
after Eve had sinned, God asked her to render him an account of what she had done. She said, the serpent what? Beguiled or deceived me and I did eat. What do you need to do to deceive someone? What do you have to do to deceive someone? Lie. Okay, thank you very much. Everybody look up here. If you're going to participate in this experiment, you have to be looking at me. Okay? Right now, I'm going to deceive every single one of you. Okay? You see this coat that I have on? This coat? It's red. Would, you, would all of the deceived ones please raise their hand? There might be someone who's colorblind here. And you give yourself away. Why didn't I deceive you? I lied. Listen. The lies which deceive are the lies that are closest to the truth. Are you with me? And we're going to find that for everything that God has true, Satan has a counterfeit. And many almost perfect counterfeits the devil has. And so our only protection we're going to find is on strictly following what God says in his word. That's your only protection. Because if you go to the temptation of Eve, you'll notice that the devil used four things to shake her trust in God's word. The whole issue is God's word. Will Eve obey what God said? See, the first thing that, that happens is the devil performs a miracle because he gives the snake the capacity to speak. That's a miracle. He uses a false miracle. Is the devil going to use miracles at the end of time? Yes. Hmm. Then he twists God's word. So God has said, you can't eat of every tree of the garden. And he says, well, you got it almost right. He twisted God's word. Is the devil going to twist God's word at the end of time? Hmm. Then he uses logic. See, be logical, Eve. God said you shouldn't eat because you're going to die. But you're not going to die. And so Eve says, well, if I'm not going to die, then why did God say that I am going to die? And then the devil has her where he wants her. He says, the reason why God told you you were going to die if you ate from the tree is not because you're really going to die, but because God knows that if you eat of the tree, you're going to be like him, and then he's going to have rivals. Are you with me? And so Eve says, boy, that sounds just so logical. No, I have a different explanation why we're not supposed to eat. It's not because we're going to die, but because God is selfish. He doesn't want any rivals around like him. And then, of course, the devil uses Eve's senses. So she looked at the fruit. It looked okay. She touched the fruit. Then she what? She tasted it. See, what Eve should have done, she should have said, I didn't know snakes could talk. That's a miracle. I see that you've heard what God says, even though you twisted it a little bit. And what you say is just so logical. And the fruit looks good, and it looks like it would be good to, to taste, and it would give me wisdom. There's only one problem. God said, don't eat. And I live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Was that her only protection? God's word followed to the letter. Number two. According to Paul, Satan can transform himself into what? An angel of light. 
Do you know, I believe that God had warned Adam and Eve that the devil had fallen from heaven and that he was going to come and try and tempt them. Do you know how I, I believe the reason why? Because the devil did not tempt Eve. He did not come from heaven as an angel and say, God has sent me as an angel from heaven to tell you that he's changed his mind and you can eat from this tree too. Huh? What would have happened if the devil had appeared to Eve as a, as a glorious angel of light? And it said, eat from the tree. God says, you have permission now. It would have been too obvious. He had to hide himself behind a serpent. By the way, can the devil also transform his ministers into ministers of righteousness? Can he use preachers? It's scary. I have to have a reality check every day. Satan is a master counterfeiter or imitator. The closer a counterfeit can imitate the genuine, the more is his deceptive power. And I want you to notice that the counterfeit always comes later in time than the genuine. You would never have a counterfeit $100 bill unless first you had a true, genuine $100 bill. Keep that in mind. Revelation 12:7 tells us that Satan what? Deceives the whole world. Number four, Satan will attempt to do what? To mimic the second coming of Jesus. Do you think it's important that we know how Jesus is going to come? Do you just suppose that maybe the devil has um, convinced the Christian world that Jesus is going to come one way and he's going to come a different way? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Just throw that out now. Because the Bible says that he's going to mimic the second coming to deceive, if possible, the very elect. 2 Thessalonians 2, 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul explains, by the way, we're going to be studying this in a couple of lectures, how Satan will come with great power, signs, and what? In line wonders to deceive those who perish because they did not choose to love what? The truth. How important it is, is it to love the truth in order to not be deceived at the end of time? It's a matter of life and death. Did you read the story in Second Chronicles 18? Yes. Isn't that a fascinating story? Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you the whole story right now. It'll take me too long. But a spirit appears before the Lord and, and it, you know, God says, um, Ahab has abandoned me and he's going to be destroyed. Um, now, how is this going to take place? And a spirit comes uh, before the Lord and says, oh, he says, I, I'll, I'll do it. God says, and how will you do it? Oh, I'll be a lying spirit in the mouth of all, all his prophets. And his prophets will tell him to go to Ramoth Gilead to battle and he'll get killed there. What do you suppose that that, evil, that, that, that spirit was? Who offered to be a lying spirit in the mouths of the prophets? Does God, does God use lies to accomplish his purpose? No, because God is a God of absolute uh, truth. Notice number seven. In the latter times, many shall depart from the faith. Giving heed to what? Sed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Is the devil going to use false theology to deceive people at the end of time. False doctrinal concepts. False teachings. Yes. Now if he can't deceive you. What is he going to use? Of course. He's going to try to coerce you. Let's go through the next section quickly. Satan is compared to a what? A roaring lion. No subtlety there. <laughs> the serpent gives you the idea of what? Crafty, sly, slithery. But the lion, there's nothing, nothing uh, quiet 
There's nothing sly about a roaring lion. Satan is also compared to a what? A ravenous dragon. When I, when I mention a dragon, does, that, does the idea of being sly and crafty come in? Not really. In Revelation 12, 3, Satan tried to destroy whom? The male child. How did he try to destroy him? By deceiving him or by trying to kill him? By trying to kill him, see? In Revelation 12, 13 to 15, Satan persecuted what? The woman, the church. You notice, he's not using only deception. He's trying to what? To destroy by force. In Revelation 12, 17, we find that Satan's final war will be against whom? Against the remnant of the woman's seed. Who is the woman's seed? Jesus. So this must be the remnant of whom? The remnant of Jesus. Now let's talk about his end quickly. According to Ezekiel 28, 18, and 19, Satan will be reduced to what? To ashes and never shall be anymore. Praise the Lord. Praise Amen. And God has prepared a fire. The Bible speaks of everlasting fire. We'll deal with that a little bit later. God has prepared an everlasting fire for whom? For the devil and his angels. Do you know that hell was never prepared for any human being? Yes, Larry. Um, on uh, number three, Revelation 12, 3. Yes. Typo, uh, Revelation 12, 3. Yeah, that should be 12, 5. Right? 12, yeah. Number what? Two. Number two. That's, well, uh, number two is 12, 3. That's where it talks about the dragon, I think. Doesn't it? Yeah, seven-headed uh, dragon. Does 12, 3 speak about the dragon? Yes, okay, good. I was at least right on that one. Okay, now, let's... Yes? Uh, on number two, it says Satan is also compared to a ravenous... Dragon. Dragon. Revelation 12, 3 says dragon, doesn't it? If I'm not mistaken? <laughs> yes, sir. Did you cover number six or... Number six, oh well, let's go through that. Satan will even lead the land beast. We're going to talk about the United States in prophecy. Uh, and uh, this beast deals with that issue. Uh, he will even uh, try to what? Kill anyone who does not receive the mark of the beast. So is it important to know what the mark of the beast is? Absolutely. Now let's talk about uh, uh, upward and downward mo uh, mobility. <laughs> There's a lot of talk these days about upward mobility. Lucifer wanted to ascend and he shall be what? Brought down. On the other hand, Jesus humbled himself and therefore he was what? Highly exalted. Did you see the principle that Jesus taught in Matthew 23 verse 12? Jesus said that whoever exalts himself will be what? will be humbled or abased. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Do you know that this is the central principle of the Bible? The central principle of the teachings of Jesus? If you exalt yourself, God will humble you. If you humble yourself, God will exalt you. 
We have a perfect example of this, not only in Jesus and Lucifer. See, Lucifer said, I will ascend. Jesus said, I will what? Descend. So when Lucifer said, I will ascend, God says, I will what? I'll throw you down. But with Jesus, who descends, God says, I will bring you up. So he who humbles himself will be exalted, and vice versa. Okay, let's go to our important questions. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, perfect example of this principle of upward and downward mobility. Remember when Nebuchadnezzar um, went out on the uh, balcony of his palace, this is in chapter 4 of Daniel, he says, isn't this great Babylon that I created with my power and for my glory? And God simply says, uh, is that so, Nebuchadnezzar? You will become a vegetarian for seven years. <laughs> Does the Bible teach vegetarianism? <laughs> Perfect example of taking a text out of context. But Nebuchadnezzar, God removed the power of reason, which was his gift to Nebuchadnezzar. And when God removed that, how great was Nebuchadnezzar? Nothing. And then after seven years, after he ate grass and he grew his hair long like the feathers of an eagle and his claws like the claws of a bird, Nebuchadnezzar, God gave him back the pearl of reason. And Nebuchadnezzar now says, now I exalt and glorify the God of heaven. He who exalted himself was what? Was humbled. And when he humbled himself, God restored him to his throne. Now let's go to our important questions very quickly. We only have a couple of minutes. How could a perfect being sin if there was no one to tempt him? The only thing that I can tell you here is that God gave Lucifer freedom of choice. And for some strange reason, which we cannot understand, by the way, if there was a reason why, then God would ultimately be responsible for his sin, because there would be an explanation. Lucifer sinned because of this. If he sinned because of this, it's because there's a reason, and the reason would ultimately lead to whom? To God. Sin is a mysterious intruder. See, Lucifer was perfectly righteous. He wasn't tempted by the flesh inside, and there was no one outside to tempt him. But for some strange, mysterious reason, he simply chose to misuse his freedom of choice. He was filled with selfishness. God did not create him with slant towards evil. He chose to become evil for a reason we can never explain. But we can know that it was because he chose to exercise his freedom of choice in the wrong direction. If God knew that Lucifer was going to sin, why did he create him? Because if God had said, well, you know, I know that if I create Lucifer, that Lucifer is going to choose uh, to go against me, so I guess I won't create him. What kind of being would God be creating then? Robots. Robots. Did Lucifer have to have the capacity to choose evil in order to have free choice? Yes. Listen, the fact that God allowed Lucifer to choose sin, even though God knew everything that was going to happen, shows how much God respects our freedom of choice. Yeah. 
And somebody says, well, nobody would have ever known that God said, I'm only going to create creatures that will say yes to me. I'm not going to create creatures who will say no. God wouldn't have been able to live with himself. Because God is a God who gives freedom of choice. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Now, the flip side of this, I'm going to recognize you in a minute, Josh. I see you back there. Um, the flip side of this is, because God decided to create Lucifer, did this cause intense and terrible suffering to God? So why didn't God spare himself all the pain and the agony by not making him? You see, we always say, well, Lord, why did you create Lucifer? And didn't you see all the misery that it brought us? Well, the fact is, it not only brought us misery, God could have spared himself the suffering and the misery that sin has brought. But he didn't. He created Lucifer with freedom of choice, even though he knew that Lucifer was going to sin and it was going to cost him his precious son. Are you with me? Okay, Josh. That, that would be another question that would be good to add here. Will sin ever come in again? The Bible says no. Sin will not arise a second time. Let me ask you this, and, and you will excuse my way of saying it. What idiot would ever want to experiment with sin again after seeing what it's caused? Listen, what has happened in the world will be the greatest vaccination against sin. Because who would ever want to live in a world again with sickness and sorrow and death and suffering? No way. Let's go to number three. Why didn't God destroy Lucifer as soon as he sinned? Let me ask you this. If you have a baby, and I said to you, <laughs> and this is just an illustration, I think you ought to kill that baby because he's going to become a juvenile delinquent. <laughs> what would you think of me? You would say what? How do you know he's going to be a juvenile delinquent? Are you with me? What if God had decided to destroy Lucifer before sin had a chance to mature and we had a chance to really see the agenda that Satan had and really what sin is when it fully matures and produces what it has produced in the world? What would have happened? The heavenly beings would have said what? Hmm. Lucifer says that God is harsh, that his law can't be kept, that he's a tyrant, and lo and behold, he blotted him out. Who's next? Who? We better keep in line. They would have served God out of what? Fear. Out of fear. God cannot accept the service of fear. And there would have always been the possibility of another rebellion. To get this tyrant off their what? Off their backs. So God decided to allow Satan to develop his agenda to show the fruit of what sin would be like. He decided to let the tree grow, the fruit come on it, so that everybody could see what the universe would have been like if God had allowed Lucifer to sit on the throne of the universe. Are you with me? And finally, what is the only way in which we can protect ourselves from Satan's power? It is written. We must study God's word. And we must obey God's word. That's our only protection. We can't accept reasonings. We can't accept miracles. We can't accept our, the testimony of our senses. All we can do is accept what God says in his word. And because we love God, obey what he says. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. 
Yes. Is it already too late for him, or does he, Satan actually have the choice now to repent? Satan does not have the chance to repent. No. We have an indication of this in the Garden of Eden already, that uh, God asked Adam and Eve what they had done. There was an investigation. With the serpent, there was no investigation. God said, this is what's going to happen to you. Your head is going to be crushed. <laughs> so, anyway, um, I guess it's too late to have a quiz tonight, too. <laughs> There's just so much material to cover that it's, it's mind-boggling how much there is in these lessons. But um, we'll, we'll, have, uh, we'll have a quiz now and then, uh, so keep yourselves ready. You know, uh, teachers sometimes, they say there's going to be a quiz and you just don't know when it's going to be. Nobody knows the day nor the hour. Yes, Devin. Okay. Uh, the question uh, that Devin asks, he's, uh, she asked me this question yesterday privately. Um, Ezekiel 28, uh, the first 10 verses are speaking primarily of the prince of Tyre. Uh, and that's found in verse 1. Ezekiel 28 verse 1 uh, says, son of, the, son of man, say to the what? To the prince of Tyre. And then the first 10 verses deal with the prince of Tyre. That's the earthly ruler. But then, starting with verse... 11, the scene changes. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. In other words, what, what the prince of Tyre did on earth, the king of Tyre did where? In heaven. So the first ten verses deal with the earthly shadow, whereas uh, verses 11 and following deal with the cosmic invisible conflict in the heavenly sphere. Are you following me? Okay, let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege of studying this class tonight. We thank you because you've revealed in your holy word how sin started and how we can protect ourselves from Satan's awesome power. We know that there's power in Jesus. There's power in your word. Help us to claim your promises, Lord, and thus gain the victory over this powerful foe. Be with us now as we return to our homes. Send your angels to watch over us and care for us. And we thank you for hearing us. Because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.com dot org.